The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Throughout this, this Easter season, we've been going just a little bit at a time through, through the book of Acts, and we've been asking what happens next after Easter. And one of the things that happens next is, is what we're going to call this morning Samaritan Pentecost, and, and I want to read it for you now. This is from Acts chapter 8, and with, if you're with us at home, Open up your Bibles because those words are going to disappear from your screen in just a second. And if you're with us here at church, really good to have you here. Um, You can see those printed on the sheets in front of you. Here's what God's word has for us this morning. Now, for some man, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with the sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, They were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles arrived, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, They prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. And Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. This is the word of the Lord. This right here is Samaritan Pentecost. And um, we cannot overstate the case that this is a big biblical deal. 
And, and I got all kinds of reasons for it. I mean, you could actually outline the book of Acts in this way. That the mission of the church and the gospel spreads first from Ju Jerusalem and Judea, then to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. In fact, that's kind of sort of how Jesus lays out the book. He said, when he ascended into heaven, this is from Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, one, and Samaria, two, and to the ends of the earth, three. In other words, we are into now a new movement in the book of Acts. We've seen the gospel overcome and be spread throughout Jerusalem. And now, here at Samaritan Pentecost, it's gotten all the way to Samaria. That's a big deal. It's a big deal for another reason. Right here, we have incredible racial reconciliation. I mean, the racial undertones of this passage are, are intense. We all know the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Only Jesus would be so audacious to suggest to a Jewish audience that, that a Samaritan could possibly be good. Mm. And then right here in the book of Acts, we have Jewish people bringing the gospel to the Samaritans. I mean, this is, this is incredible racial reconciliation. In fact, in fact, this is the only time where the Holy Spirit gives faith in baptism, but doesn't at the same time in the book of Acts give what we call charismatic gifts. And we have to kind of scratch our, our heads about that. Why, why don't we see the charismatic gift of the Spirit right away? And the reason why is because the Spirit wanted Peter and John to personally see that, wow, Samaritans can get the Holy Spirit too. I mean, this is, this is a big deal. One Spirit, one baptism, one people. The dividing barrier between Jewish people and Samaritans has absolutely been erased. Racial reconciliation. This is a big biblical moment. Also, it's a big deal because here, sorcery and magic is absolutely overcome by the power of Jesus' name. I mean, we, we, we still see this here today. There, there are still sorcerers. I mean, there's these trifold signs. I see them all over the place. Come on and get your, your palm read and the, and the tarot cards and you can read your horoscope and all of these things that are, that are come from the powers and principalities of this world. And Simon, who's the grand vizier of the time, I mean, he's the great magician. He's the great sorcerer. He comes to see that the power that he has in the name of Satan is nothing compared to the power of Jesus. So he believes. And he's baptized. I mean, this, this, this is the Samaritan Pentecost. This is a big deal. And there's a part of me, there's a part of me that wishes like, oh, why couldn't the story have ended right there? <clears throat> Isn't there a part of you that, that wishes the story could just end? Like, 
Why couldn't it just end at the end of verse 17 where the Spirit comes down on them and they speak in tongues, but it doesn't end there? It doesn't. The story actually sort of kind of gets worse. I mean, if the story would end there, this story could have ended up in children's books. We could have told our children about it. Like, let me tell you about this, this magician who comes to faith. And then the, the Samaritans come to faith. And it's all awesome. But it doesn't end there. It's like Simon took cold water and he, and he poured it on, on the fire of the Holy Spirit. Because he went and did it. He went to Simon Peter and he went to John and he said, here's a hundred dollars. Will you now give me the power to give the Holy Spirit? I mean, bribing an apostle is wrong on so many levels. I mean, he should have known he should have known that, that Peter and John are not motivated by money. They're not, right? That They are dirt poor, but they are content knowing that God has given them everything, riches in Christ. But he thought, in his backwards, simplistic way of thinking, maybe I can just pay him. In fact, I, I bet his thinking went a little bit further. Like, I bet he think, thought to himself, I'll give them 50 bucks, and then... I'll help make the Christian church rich. Do you see it? Like, how can we monetize this thing? How can we commercialize the Holy Spirit? Think about that for he thought he must have been thinking it like, if they give me this gift, then I can go around selling it and and I, for every time I give the Holy Spirit, for every baptize, I'll, baptism, I'll charge them 50 bucks, and pretty soon we're going to have this rich church. He had it all figured out. But he was so, so wrong about how Christianity really works. He really ruined it. You know, and then Peter goes absolutely nuclear on them. Maybe some of you have heard of like the, the military doctrine of massive retaliation. In other words, you send back forth for back force that is going to be more than what you received so that it never happens again. Peters must be thinking that way because he, he picks the nuclear option here. What do you think hurt the worst? What words? Hurt the worst. Peter says to Simon, May your money perish with you. Did he really just say that he wanted not only the money to go to hell, but, but Simon? Your heart is not right before God. Did he really just point out that, Simon, you have a dead spiritual condition because you tried to buy off God? I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. 
Did, did he really just say that he is an absolute slave to sin, that he couldn't throw it off even if he wanted to? Peter pops off on Simon, spiritually speaking. Do you think he went too far? I, I, I always find it interesting when, when the commentators and, and, and the Christian people nowadays, they, they think they, they should get all judgmental of the apostles. Like I, I read some things they were, they, that made me think, they must think Peter had an upset stomach or something. Or that, that Peter skipped a meal and all of a sudden he's grouchy and he, and he sort of overcompensates and he's like, oh my goodness, did I just say that to you, Simon? I'm so sorry. And one, let me just read you what one commentator wrote. The church lost a man here who might have been saved. St. Peter trampled down the new plantation of St. Philip. Is that what happened here? Peter had a bad day and he just, he just goes off on poor Simon? Hardly. You know, the, the, the early Christian church got this about Simon. They, the early Christian church, if you're reading the church fathers about Simon, the, they gave him names. They, they called him things, these are technical names, but they, they called him things like heresiarch. You hear the word heresy in there? Heresiarch. Or they, they called him the arch heretic. They, they called him all kinds of different names. Simon the sorcerer. His name even actually got converted into a hated Christian practice. You know what it, how his name is used today? Anybody know? Simony. Please tell me you've heard of this before. You can Google it. This is a real thing. Simony. Dictionary.com defines it this way. The making of profit out of sacred things. Simony. I think we could define it a little bit better. Simony happens anytime we try to buy God off. Anytime we think that we can buy God and his free gifts. And anytime that happens, Anytime you see simony, either in your own heart or around the world, we need to pop off on it and go nuclear. So why don't we? You know, I hear these stories. I know you have too. Where you go to the local parish, and all you want is baptism for your child. That's it. But the local parish says to you, we'll baptize your child if you'll just give a small donation of $1,500. I know you've heard the stories. Or, or you go to the, the local church and your mother has just passed away. And you, and you tell them, can, can you do the funeral? And they say, well, sure. It'll cost you something, but don't worry about it. We'll take it out of the estate. Are you kidding me? Or, or there's this practice of saying mass for the dead. Tell you what, we'll pray for your dead loved one 
fork it over. That's simony. Anytime someone says that God's free gift, whatever it may be, needs to be paid for, that's wrong. And we need to pop off on it and go nuclear. Take your money. You know, you, what do you think Peter would have said? Take your money and go to hell. That might sound somewhat nuclear option, but isn't that exactly what he said? Now, there's, we've talked about some obvious forms of simony, but what about the subtle ones? And I think this happens to us when we get to the end of a day, and maybe we had a bad day. Like, we wish we would have done better spiritually. We can see the sin. It's so obvious in our lives because of the way we treated people around us. And we think, to our, this is how we comfort ourselves. I'll do better tomorrow. Instead of saying, thank you, God, for the free gift of forgiveness, we comfort ourselves by saying, I'll make it up to God. I'll do better tomorrow. Isn't that simony? Isn't that trying to buy God's favor and his peace by just saying, you know what, God, I'll make it up to you with my good works tomorrow. What do you think Peter would have said about that? Wouldn't he have said, take your good works and leave them in hell? He would have popped off. I mean, some might consider what we're talking about to be to this morning to be an absolutely harsh statement, but Luke, by the Holy Spirit, doesn't think so. See, and in fact, we're getting to a very simple and important truth about our faith. And Peter makes it cl- clear to us. Look, look at what he says in verse twenty: "May your money perish with you, because you thought that you could buy." And here's the key part. The gift of God with money. The gift of God. You see, the gospel says that God's gifts must remain just that. They are gifts. In fact, we could define God that way. He is the good giver. Let me ask you something. Has, has God ever charged you rent for living in his good creation? Everything that we see belongs to him, but he gives it to you. Has God ever suggested that, that you should be charged for the precious and innocent blood that covers your sins so fully? Not even a thin dime. In fact, Peter, in, in another sermon that he gave in one of his letters, wrote this. He said, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb with blemish, with, without blemish or defect. Do the scriptures indicate that we should charge for the gift of the Holy Spirit, for baptism, for the Lord's Supper? Or is it just a gift 
Because God loves you. I want you to just get really quiet for just a minute, and I want to tell you what I see. I see people whose hearts are right with God because they know that God is a good giver. I I, I see people who receive by faith the righteousness of Christ and who know that that is just a gift, not earned or deserved. I, I, I see people who are not full of bitterness and captive to sin, but people who by faith have received the Holy Spirit. Samaritan Pentecost, who really get it, that everything that God gives to us is a gift. You know, it's interesting. We don't, we don't know how this story ends. Simon, the sorcerer, disappears after this. We never hear about him again. Well, all we hear is, is Peter saying, Simon, you need to pray. And then we hear Simon saying, you pray for me. And that's it. We don't know what happens to him. Here's what we do know. Peter, by the power of the Holy Spirit, ended simony today. And now we live in a world where God's gifts will always be gifts. Amen.